right now in the middle of a global pandemic, in the middle of an election year, in the, in the middle of a season that we find ourselves in where caring and loving and sacrificing our neighbors has become uh, weaponized and politicized. Uh, in, in a week, even this last week, where we saw the horrors of racism just explode all over our social media feed and our news feeds that we watch at home, it is important for us as a church to, number one, understand what is happening in the world and then understand how we respond to the world. And Jesus gave us a really important action step. And we come back to this quite often here at Grace Hill, but it is incredibly important for us to consider. He gave us a, 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 a picture of what uh, our life should look like as it expresses itself to others and to the world. He says the, these words in John 13. The apostle John records them. He says this, by this, this is John 13, uh, verse 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So one of the questions I've been wrestling with this last week is we've seen all of this just explode on our TVs and in our world and on our social media feeds and in our daily lives is this, is are we loving? I mean, are we truly, really loving one another and loving a broken, fallen world around us? And if we are loving, what is the baseline for love in our life? How do, how do we know we're on the right track? None of what I'm gonna tell you today, none of what I'm gonna share with you today can, can, can actually be done apart from being empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And, and that may sound a little weird at first to say it, but, but it's, it's the reality for our lives and, and the Holy Spirit guides us, it, it leads us and it causes, the Holy Spirit can cause us to do things that the world might look at like loving our enemies and be perplexed by that. The world would look at that and they say, well, why are you doing that? Why don't you just drop that person? Why don't you just drop that, 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 uh, that, that instance in your life? Why don't you just get rid of that? But Christ, Jesus calls us to something else. And so nothing I'm gonna to share to you with you today can be done without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Nothing, I, you're, you're not good enough, I'm not good enough to do this, but this can be done. And this is a picture, this is a model that Jesus gives us today for loving those that are difficult to love. And because as we're gonna see in just a minute, loving those that love us back is easy. It's loving people that look different than us, that think different than us, that vote different than us, and treat us different than we want to be treated. It's loving those people. It's loving those people when that love is tested. That is so oftentimes when love is proven. And so today we are going to spend the majority of our time in Luke chapter six. So if you have your scripture, uh, you can turn there and we're going to look at seven statements that Jesus made about loving those who are difficult to love and how we should actually respond to people who are difficult to love in a sacrificial 
and surprising way. So if you have your scripture, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. I want to invite you to go there, and I'm just going to walk us through this text, help us understand it, and then give us a few steps that we can take that are just actionable steps as we think about loving people, loving people around us that are difficult and hard to love so many times. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 26. I want to read this for us. Jesus says this, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Jesus is communicating something here in this passage of scripture that even 2,000 years later is countercultural. He says, love your enemies. Who would you say right now, sitting wherever you find yourself, whenever you find yourself watching this, who would you say is your enemy? Maybe it is a neighbor. Maybe it is a spouse right now. Maybe it is a, a family member, a distant family member. Maybe though, when you think about uh, an enemy, maybe you think about somebody in some type of political power. Maybe you think about uh, 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 some type of organization that exists out there. When you think about an enemy, what comes to your mind? And the hard reality about that is this. Jesus says, love your enemies. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, and, and this is the picture that Christianity holds out, that, that no one else, no one in their right mind in the world living for themselves would ever say to do. This is the picture of Christianity, and this is what makes it so different and so beautiful. The picture of Christianity says this, that those of us who are followers of Jesus, we relate to and we operate differently towards, and we respond differently towards hostility, those who don't like us, those that don't treat us well, in a completely unprecedented manner. He goes on and he, he makes another statement. This is statement number two. He says this, do good to those who hate you. Now, can you just for a minute imagine Jesus is, has taken this from someone that, that you kind of view maybe as an enemy, and now he, he begins to personalize it. And now this is someone who has something against you. He's saying, do good to those who hate you. Think about for just a moment, the, the person in your life that if you walked into Target and you saw them rounding the corner in you know, the toilet paper aisle and as desperate as you needed toilet paper, you would be tempted to turn that cart and go the other way. You know what I think Jesus would say to you right there? Do good. Do good to those who hate you. James 1.20 gives us a glimpse into why this is important, why it's important to do good to those who hate us. Listen to these words, James 1.20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Jesus wants to curb our, our, our attitude and our actions towards those who hate us. Why? Because Jesus is after, uh, Jesus wants us to have righteousness in our life. He wants to, us to live a life that pleases God. So he says, do good to those who hate you. Statement number three, he says this, bless those who curse you. 
Now, another way to render that passage would be to bless those who mistreat you. You may not have anybody in your life that might curse you, but you probably have somebody in your life who mistreats you. It could be a boss, it could be a neighbor, it could be a, a, a kind of a distant friend now. It, it may even be a, a, an ex, a, a spouse, a, a, a mother-in-law, who knows? Jesus says here that you bless those who curse you. You bless those who mistreat you. Now, just for a moment, could you just think, come to mind a few ways that maybe you could bless someone who would curse you or bless someone who would mistreat you. It might be just simply not responding back to them in a way that maybe just would wanna come natural. It might be that you actually don't talk negatively about them behind their back, but you actually bless them by speaking highly of them or not speaking at all about them behind their back. Jesus goes on, he gives us a fourth statement and he says this, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Now I gotta be honest. I I was okay up to this point with Jesus saying, um, love your enemies. That feels like something that I can kind of do, you you know, sort of say kind of loosely, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm loving them. I'd really like to go, you know, punch them in the mouth, but I'm not, so I'm loving them. You know, Jesus here says, you know, do good to those who hate you. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to kind of restrain myself. And just by restraining myself, I'm going to do good. And he says here, you know, bless those who mistreat you or curse you. And, and you can say, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I had an opportunity to, you know, talk bad about that person. And then I'm good. But now Jesus just drops it right square in our lap. And he says, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to ask that you pray for those I want you to pray for those who spitefully use you. That's the hardest thing for me to do in my life. I'll just be totally honest with you. Is to pray for people. Is to pray for people that I would consider an enemy. You know why? Because so many times when I, if I, if I kind of force myself to pause and to sit down and to pray for that person, you know what God begins to do? God begins to actually show me in my life the grudges that I'm holding that I need to let go of. God actually begins to show me through the power of prayer the areas where I might have wronged my, quote, enemy. God begins to reveal areas in my life that I need to ask forgiveness from that that person for. And and I just think, in, in just these four statements here, Listen to what Jesus, let's just recap it for just a minute, what Jesus has said to do for those who we have enemies in our life. He says this, love, do good, bless, and pray. Could you imagine for just a moment if the church, if followers of Jesus were known for doing those things, even to people that we like, let alone people that we would consider enemies. Love, do good, bless, and pray. You contrast that with the world and you get a very different picture. You contrast that with following your own heart, right? With the way of the world. You do what makes you feel good. You do what pleases you. You're not gonna get love, do good, bless, and pray. You're only gonna get that. That is only gonna be expressed when Jesus Christ has come into your life. When the Holy Spirit is empowering your actions, your thoughts, your prayer life, that you're going to only then be able to love, do good, bless, and pray. And you may say, well, you know, what about all the people out there in my life who have really hurt me? And listen, I want to say to you, there's real hurt, there is real pain, 
There is real abuse that goes on in this world. And for many of you, the, the idea of loving, of doing good, of blessing and praying, that may need to actually begin for you in your life where you just pause and you ask the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to seek that out in my life to the person that I would consider my enemy. But here's what I do want you to understand is that what Jesus Christ has done for you is greater than anything that anyone could ever do to you. What Jesus Christ has done for you by offering himself on the cross, by giving up his life for you, by, by dying a, a brutal sinner's death, and by gloriously and triumphantly rising again on the third day, what Jesus Christ has done for you to bring grace and to bring mercy to you is greater than anything anyone could ever do to you. And so it is my hope that if, if you understand that, and if you come into a relationship with Jesus and you surrender that area of your life to him, that only because of Jesus and only because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we might be able to take real steps towards people who are enemies in our life, even if sometimes it's at a distance, and say, I wanna love you. I wanna do good to you. I wanna bless you, and I wanna pray for you. Jesus continues with these very challenging statements. Statement number five, he says this, to him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. <laughs> I mean, think about that in our world. Oh, you're gonna strike me? This is what the world says. You're gonna strike me? Man, I'm coming with my Twitter army. I'm coming with my social media Facebook post. I'm coming ready to go at you. And Jesus says, no, the way of Jesus, the way of love is this. It's to him who strikes you on the one cheek. Offer the other cheek also. This command to offer the other cheek as well as often misunderstood, it, it means that there is risk involved in reaching out to people with God's hope, with God's grace, and with God's mercy. And what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that if we, as we love our enemies, as we love people that we believe that are hostile to us, to, to our values, to our, the way that we live our life as Christ followers, Jesus is giving us a picture here that if we are rejected, that we as followers of Jesus continue to pursue and reach out to that person. He says, to him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And then he goes on and he says this, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give it to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. He's saying, give freely. He's talking about irrational generosity here. Generosity and love go hand in hand. And it's one of our core values that we have here at Grace Hill is this idea of irrational generosity, expressing our lives, expressing our, our gratitude, our generosity towards others in an irrational way, in a way that is both sacrificial and surprising, demonstrating that love. And Jesus is getting at the heart of that here at generosity. He's saying give freely, live a life full of irrational ge generosity, even to those that you would consider enemies. Statement number seven, he says this, and just as you want men 
or people or others to do to you, you also do to them likewise. I mean, this is the golden rule, isn't it? Treat others the way that you want to be treated. This doesn't imply that you will be treated in a kind manner, but we as Christ followers are responsible for the way that we treat others and respond to others. This doesn't guarantee that if you reach out to that you know, noisy neighbor next door, this doesn't guarantee that if you try to make amends with, with a strained relationship from your past, that it's actually going to be received. But what Jesus is getting at here is that, no, 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 it doesn't matter the response of the other person. We as Christ's followers hold up the display of love in an irrational, sacrificing, surprising way to the world. Because remember, biblical love is sacrificial and biblical love is often surprising. But then Jesus goes on. He gives us these, these seven statements, but, but then he kind of steps in and he, and he, and he kind of wraps this section up. Listen to these words of Jesus. He says this, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend sinners and receive as much back. He is saying here that there should be a difference in how those of us who are followers of Jesus respond and treat the people around us. He's saying, hey, you know what? Anybody can do good to those who do good back. He's saying anyone can give to those who we expect to you know, have uh, uh, the confidence that they're gonna give those things back. Imagine how much more radical though and life-changing though it would be to a neighbor, a coworker, a distant relative. If we held no expectations other than the fact that, hey, you know what, we're gonna love you, we're gonna give to you, we're gonna live generously towards you no matter what the response is. And if you're an enemy, we're gonna do the same. Can you just imagine the way that that would be received in this world? Can you imagine that if Grace Hill Church lived our lives as Christ followers that way and postured ourselves that way to a broken, hopeless world? People that we would might consider enemies to us and even enemies to the message of Jesus. Can you imagine for just a moment the difference that that could make? Jesus says here in verse 35, he says, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons and daughters of the most high for he is kind to the unfaithful, uh, he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father is merciful. The idea of mercy here is, is the, 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 the definition, kind of the way to understand mercy is this, is that mercy is, withhold, is withholding something we actually deserved. You see, we deserved the wrath of God. We deserved the judgment of God. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that, that, that judgment and wrath was actually withheld from our lives. And by doing that, we were extended mercy. 
And there may be somebody in your life who legitimately deserves wrath. They legitimately deserve judgment. They legitimately deserve to be dropped from your life. But the message of Jesus is this, is that we are merciful just as our Father, our Heavenly Father was merciful to us. It may be that your enemy deserves blank response from you. Whatever that is, fill in the blank. Jesus says here, be merciful. You withhold that, that action, that response that maybe they deserve. You withhold that from them and you give them, you show them mercy. Here's what I know. I don't think that you would walk away from love like that. I don't think that in, in, a, in a world of chaos and confusion and disruption, the way that we're seeing, I don't think that you would walk away from a, a body of believers that demonstrated love like that. And I know for a fact, I believe with all my heart, you wouldn't walk away from a God that loves you in that way. So what do we do? Well, the first thing is this. The first thing, as we look at this passage of scripture today and we think about love, we think about loving people who are difficult to love is we need to do this. We need to understand that we need to see ourselves in this text as the enemy, not the hero first. We need to see ourselves as the enemy that Jesus is actually talking about here, not the hero. You know, we're, I'm in a, a couple of men's groups that, uh, that we're walking through a book uh, by Gene Edwards called A Tale of Three Kings. And, and uh, in, in, there's a big plot twist that comes. What, what The Tale of Three Kings does is it, uh, the first part of the book looks at the relationship between Saul, King Saul, and King David. Uh, David obviously was not, was not king yet, but, but it looks at this relationship. And there's a big plot twist that comes in chapter nine. And Gene Edwards kind of flips the whole book on, it, on its head and, and you think it's headed in one way and then he drops this reality. He says that in chapter nine, no, you are actually King Saul. That's who you are. You're not King David, you're King Saul. And here there's a plot twist and we need to see ourselves in this text, but not as the hero first. We need to see ourselves as the enemy. Why? Well, that leads us to the second thing is because Jesus modeled this for us on the cross. Everything Jesus is saying in this passage is foreshadowing what Jesus would do on the cross and the response Jesus gave humanity on the cross. Romans 5.10 says this, for if, we, uh, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled? Shall we be saved by his life? We have to first see ourselves in this passage as the enemy. We were the one that were against God. We were the one who, who shook our angry fist at God. We were the one that had sin in our lives. And yet Jesus went to the cross. He withheld God's judgment, withheld God's wrath from us that we so deserved. And God extended mercy into and onto our lives. Jesus loved those who hated him. He did good to those who did not do good to him. He blessed those who cursed him. He gave us something that we could never pay back. Forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So then that brings us lastly to this, is that realize that this love expressed towards others is only possible because of the gospel. This love isn't easy, and we probably will never get this right, 
but it is possible. But it is only possible, not because we're good enough, not because we try hard enough, not because we wake up today and we're resolved enough. No, it can only come because of the, the message and the hope that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when, when, we, when we live our life in view of the cross, when we live our life in view of, of while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies with God, Christ died for us. You see, the baseline for love in our lives is the very way we were loved by Jesus. And how is that? We were his enemies and he still chose to love us. And that brings us back to this passage in 1 John 4 that we've been looking at this entire series. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you and I love you. I thank you that uh, the hope that we have from your word, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You sent Jesus on the, to, to die on that cross. You sacrificed so much in sending Christ to this world. And I pray that we would live our lives in view of that. We wouldn't live our lives in view of the latest news about the current pandemic. We wouldn't live our lives in, the, in, in, in light of, in view of the latest news about an election or, or what, the, what the, the municipalities are doing or what the next year's school setup is gonna be. No, 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 those are temporary things. And if we look to those temporary things, we will always be disappointed. We will always be left longing and wanting more because those things can turn into idols in our life. So I pray today that every single person that's listening to this message would live their life in view of the gospel, would live their life in view of the message of the hope of Jesus. What will never change, what is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus, I pray that if there's anybody and I know for me, there's people in my life that I would view as enemies. I pray that, that we would live our life in view of the fact that we were enemies with you. We were enemies towards you, and yet you loved us. You blessed us. You gave generously to us. And so how could we not do the same to others that are in our life that we would consider enemies? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just empower those of us to live our lives in that way. I pray that you would empower us to live our lives boldly towards people that, that we might actually legitimately consider to be enemies in our lives. I pray that you would, you, you would empower us to live our lives boldly and courageously and lovingly towards them. And that through that love, people would see Jesus. And through that love, people would be brought to the feet of Jesus. And through that love, the world would be changed. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter. You matter.